What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. We just wrapped up our first ever event in our uh, office here in Spring Hill. So we have a an office. You guys probably know we bought a church here in Spring Hill, and we had our first ever event, our two day event here in the office. It was amazing. So it was a runway event. We just opened up the runway uh, membership, brought in some new members, and we did our first event here in August. And just two months before Flip Backing Live, it was an incredible event. But the resounding theme in there was money, like finding money, feeling comfortable about raising money, and everybody's leaving there wanting to do the 500K challenge and jumping into it. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about money. I want to talk about raising private money, and I I really want to put this out for our runway members after the event uh, on a how-to, because we talked a little bit about how to create a video and how to talk to lenders. So I want to talk through the entire process from going live, talking about raising money to getting your first deal funded, how you do that on the back end and the strategy. So I hope this helps everybody out there. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right. So right now, the number one skill set that you could possibly build on, in my opinion, is first of all, finding deals is a skill set that you must, must have. But raising money is going to be something that the people that have money in a recession, a downturn, times like that, they have access to capital. They're able to do deals that other people aren't. The banks are going to start saying no. The hard money lenders are going to start saying no and driving up. That's already started to happen. All this stuff is going to change. And your ability to raise capital, I've been talking about this for years and years and years. I put together this challenge, this 500K challenge, two years ago in preparation for all of you guys that are going to need to raise money. You might be um, used to using hard money, you might be, uh, be used to using bank financing and things like that, but the ability to raise capital and private capital that has really no strings, no credit score, none of that stuff attached to it, maybe just security, um, trust, those kind of things built in is going to be key in this business. Raising private capital is massive for you guys. So. What better time to learn it than right now? We just left the runway event. Every single one of them went up on stage and just said, we, we could use more money. We could use, nobody was like, I have too much money, right? And um, a lot of you will wait until you have your first deal to start raising money. That's a huge mistake. You can raise money. You can create a list. You can understand who, who wants what, what desires they have, what kind of returns they want, what kind of timelines, and, and say, hey, if I get a deal, would it be okay if I called you? to see if you'd be interested in financing it. And that's a conversation that can happen way before you find a deal, even if you've never done a deal before. And most of the time, we're just scared that they'll say no. And that's okay too, what's the big deal? You get on a phone with somebody, and you're like, ah, I'm not sure that that's uh, right for me right now. Or go get a little bit of experience, maybe do one or two houses, and then they call me back. You just put all those notes on your uh, CRM, your spreadsheet there. So I want to talk about raising private money. I want to talk actually about the details of it. So um, uh, what, what came out of this meeting was, okay, I understand like how to raise some of the money, but I don't really understand the ins and outs. I want to make a video which can basically systemize this and and educate people because I'm waste, I'm spending a lot of time, I shouldn't say wasting time, spending a lot of time on the phone with my lenders and I want to be doing other things in my business. So how can I send them a video or come up with something like that? So I'm going to talk about raising private money and how to do it, like how to actually execute once you have somebody who says, yes, I'm ready to invest $50,000 in your business. And I, I know that's going to be helpful for you guys out there and it was, it was trial and error for me. So there's a couple ways that this can go. 
let's say um, you've got properties that are coming across your desk potentially, or you know that you need a certain amount of money for deals, um, there's a kind of a limit of what you what you can put on a property. And this can this podcast can go like a hundred different ways. Where I wanted to go is I wanted to go a place where it's more of the strategic way for us to kind of think about money. So so really, big picture, you've got somebody who's interested in investing your deal, and the first step is to create a promissory note. Okay? A promissory note is just something that says, I Bill Allen or I, Blackjack Real Estate, my entity, is going to pay you, the lender, back this amount of money in this timeline at these kind of returns and these terms, right? So that's it. It's just saying, I am going to pay you back. Like, I promise to pay you back this amount of money plus interest or whatever it is. It might even be 0% interest, but whatever the interest rate is, this money, this principal plus interest in return. And so that promissory note is basically like almost like an IOU, right? It's a legal IOU. It's very simple, like simple terms, just IOU money. So you come in with $50,000, I write that promissory note. And that is, that's secured to my business basically. Like if I defaulted on that note, they could come after me, they could come after the company, these kind of things and try to get their money. But it's not secured to any like real asset. So the real asset piece would be taking that promissory note and securing it with a deed of trust or a mortgage, depending on what kind of state you're in. So there's deed of trust states and then there's mortgage states. And uh, you can just do quick Google, is my state, like if I'm in Michigan, is Michigan a mortgage state or a deed of trust state? And you'll find out. You can ask a title company, ask an attorney, anybody like that. But you can find that out. And then what you do is you, like in Florida, Florida's a mortgage state. So I take a promissory note and then I attach that promissory note to the property with a mortgage. And the mortgage has a bunch of other legal terms that says it's securing it to this address at this property. And if I don't pay you back, you can foreclose on this asset and take it from me because I didn't pay you back within the terms. So that's the secured and unsecured. So unsecured, you might hear somebody say, I have some unsecured notes. It's basically, it's not tied to a property based on a mortgage deed of trust or any security document. And so it's a secured property, secured note, and uh, a, a secured investment is the promissory note attached to that asset with a, pro with a mortgage or deed of trust. It's really that simple. Now, when you get down to it, there's benefits and uh, there's benefits to you and there's benefits to a lender in either one of these. And I want you to remember, I'm not a securities attorney. I'm not an SEC uh, lawyer. I'm not a, uh, any of those things, okay? I'm also not a financial advisor, a CPA, all this stuff. I'm just going to give you some like broad brush picture of what this stuff is. So now I have a secured and unsecured investment. The good thing about the secured investment is they have an actual asset they can take if you don't pay them back. The thing that people might not like about it is there's a lot of, there's, there's um, notaries that have to happen. There's a lot of um, signing of paperwork, details, those kind of things. And then when we, when we sell the property and we wanna pay off the mortgage, they have to sign a release. They have to release a lien. They have to send that mortgage back in, the original document, keep it, send it back in at closing and sign that off and remove it and release it. So, and they have to give a payoff statement and all kinds of things like that. So a lot of lenders that just want to be really passive, they might want more of a unsecured, here it is for a year, this is how much you're going to pay me over the year, and, um, and, and I don't want to do all this paperwork. So that's where I got with a couple lenders. They just had, so they were doing mortgages with me, and then they'd have to get a notary to sign the release of lien, 
the payoff statement, all that stuff, and he just didn't want to deal with it. And so he's just like, can, can I just take, can I give this to you for the whole year or three years or five years or whatever it is, and you just pay me monthly or annually or every quarter, whatever that is, the return. And so that's one of the good things about it is it's secured to a property, so they have more security. So any lender that wants more security and is a little bit more um, risk intolerant, they can do something like that. The, the good thing for you as a, as a borrower for an unsecured line is, um, for a secured line is you're, like when I secure it to a property with a mortgage and a deed of trust or a deed of trust, I am paying that interest only when I'm using the money. So only when I own the house, when I pay it off, it's gone, it's back in their bank account, and then I find another property to put it into. So I might have a month or two or three months while I'm looking for the next property that I don't have to pay interest on. The good thing f about it with a promissory note is I can use that money in and out, I don't have to get payoff statements, they don't have to wire the money, I don't have to deal with that, I can just use it back and forth for the properties. So there's benefits and risks to each of these. And the, whenever I'm talking about a secured investment, they know exactly what they're gonna make for the period of time that they're gonna make. When it's unsecured, they also know what they're gonna make, but they're making it all the time, whether I'm using the money or not. So usually what I try to do is, if, I, if I'm doing an unsecured loan with somebody, I wanna reduce the rate a bit because it's always working. So I can usually talk down the rate some because I'm, I'm using it for a whole year, and if I'm not using it to my bank account, I'm still paying you. And so that's beneficial to the, uh, to the borrower. If you're just getting started in this and just starting to raise money and capital, um, my, my, my best recommendation is to secure it to a property. It's easy, the money's there, you know what it is attached to, it's, it's always going to that property, that's where it's attached to and you're using it there. It doesn't get mixed up with operating accounts, operating funds, uh, your mailers, your postcards, your uh, staffing, those kind of things, and just co-mingle with the rest of your company. Um, if you do do some unsecured notes and people invest with you that way, I would recommend having a separate bank account that you put that money into that's only being used for purchasing properties and rehabs, and that's it. And you keep it separate from your operating account and expenses. That's a great uh, way for accounting. So inside this promissory note, let's dive into the promissory note a little bit. I mentioned in there it has, um, I owe you this amount of money, which is a principal. So let's say it's $100,000 for easy math. And I'm going to pay you 6% interest. And this note is good for six months. So in six months, I need to pay it back. There might be an extension fee that I pay if I want to extend it past six months. Or I might say it automatically extends another three months at the end of it. There's a lot of things that you can do as variables in all of this. So in the promissory note, we've got a principal amount, we got an interest rate, we've got a timeline, right? We've got any type of uh, additional items that might happen, extensions, um, origination fees, you might hear it called points. They could be in there, it might be an origination fee. And then the payment structure. So am I paying every month? Am I paying the, the interest out every month? Am I paying it on a balloon? So I'm waiting until the end of the six months or the end of the term to pay all the principal and interest back. That's ideal for a house flipper, right? Is to not have to pay monthly and pay it more in a balloon. All that is spelled out in the promissory note. And then the mortgage just attaches it to the property. There's a bunch of legalese. It's, I don't know, 10 pages long sometimes, sometimes longer. Um, and that's the structure of it. So let's talk about monthly payments and balloon payments. I mentioned them a little bit, but monthly payments are great for people that want cash flow. So your investor might say, hey, I really want some cash flow. So, I'll, okay, I'll give you a monthly payment of interest-only monthly payments. 
Um, it's not as good for you because you, you want your operating costs to stay in your bank account. So I prefer, when I'm flipping houses, I prefer to do a balloon payment. Balloon payments are great with people who have IRAs, 401ks. They don't need the monthly payments. They're not living off of that. They have full-time jobs, those kind of things. And they don't mind getting their money at the end of the project. And that's great because it just accumulates, it adds up, and then you pay it out when you sell that property. So you don't actually need to come up with the money to pay them every month. Um, some lenders might want the monthly payments because that's what they're looking for, and that might be able to sweeten the pot. You might be able to give monthly payments and reduce the rate. So hopefully the takeaway so far is the fact that everything in this is negotiable when it's private lenders. So if you've ever tried to negotiate this with a hard money lender or a bank, it just doesn't work that way. They say, this is the box that you fit in, here you go. The, the beauty of working with private lenders and, and friends, family, a warm network, uh, maybe your church group, people you went to high school with in college, and I, I just made a post today and I'm getting text messages right now from people that are saying, um, hey, I'm interested in investing, um, I'm getting uh, Facebook messages like crazy, what are the terms, what are the rates, what's the timeline, I'm just saying, what, what works for you? What are you looking for? What is your ideal scenario for all this? And I always want to ask them what's best for them. So we got monthly payments and we got the balloon payments. And then we got term and timeline. So what you want is you want, to, you want a timeline that's realistic for you. You don't, want to, you don't want to be rushed, right? So I would recommend if you can get a year, if you can get one year, that's ideal as you're flipping houses. And that doesn't mean that you need to take a year to flip the house. It means that you have to have a, a maximum of a year to pay that back. And then there's late fees and charges and those kind of things that are built into a promissory note usually. But that's, that's ideal for you, probably a year. If you are doing more rental properties and you're trying to do cash out refinances and stuff, you might want to do two years or three years. Short-term investors that are looking for cash flow, they usually want shorter timelines so they can move their money around a lot. So more professional um, lenders, like uh, private lenders, like me, like I'm a, I'm a private lender, right? And so I look for three months, six month terms right now, sometimes one day, one week. I don't want one year notes. I don't want two year notes. I don't want five year notes. It's just what I want right now. Now in the future, I might want you to be paying me for five years. I actually might want a five-year note so that I know that you're going to pay me for five years. It doesn't mean you can't pay it off early, um, but I want a note that says, hey, we're going to stick together for five years and you're paying me every single month. So older investors and people that are nearing retirement, they're usually looking for cash flow, some monthly payments to offset the job that they just left or something like that. And then younger investors that are w looking more for net worth growth, and uh, more higher interest rates and things like that. They, they're willing to wait to get their money because they don't need it right now. So you can adjust those timelines to what you see fit. If you think the project's gonna take you three months then you're gonna put it on the market and it's gonna sell in one or two months, I would get at least a nine month note. So that's gonna give you th about three months of slush time in there. So now you got a nine month note and you don't have to start talking about it or looking at it until you're about you know, three months ahead or three months uh, until you pay off. So with all of these kind of uh, ideas and concepts of notes, mortgages, deeds of trust, uh, monthly payments, balloon payments, terms and timelines. Um, you've got uh, the types of accounts that they're going into, IRAs, 401ks, those kind of things. So now we, we kind of understand what happens. So if somebody has $100,000 and they want to invest in one of our properties and we can, we're going to put a note or mortgage on there, then from there we are going to get their money. So de depending on if it's a, a promissory note, like unsecured note, it could potentially come into our account directly. But I, let's go with the secured route. Let's say somebody's gonna invest in a secured mortgage with us. What I like to do is set them up with the uh, title company. They wire the money directly to the title company for closing. We purchase the property using their money. 
and then they have the mortgage and deed of trust that gets mailed to them from the title company. So we buy the property, we own it, we're on a balloon payment over six months, we renovate the property, we put it on the market, we list it, we sell the property, and then if we owed $100,000, and let's just say for ease of math it was 8% interest, we're paying $8,000 for the year, say we used it for six months, we're paying $4,000. So now we wire $104,000 back to their bank account, they do a release of the mortgage on the property, at closing it's released, the buyer gets their property, we get our profits, they get their $104,000. Now that money is taxed as interest in this case. And again, I'm not a CPA, but that money's taxed as interest. So a 1099 INT gets issued to them and they pay interest, or they pay tax on the interest that they made, just like they would make interest in a bank account. So, and then we go out and we look for the next property and we do it again. Where a lot of people get tripped up is they say, I need to purchase a loan, uh, a property with a mortgage um, uh, through a hard money lender or a bank and it's $300,000 and somebody that I know has f only $50,000. You can put a second position mortgage on it. You can go unsecured. You can do a lot of things. You can use it for the rehab money. There's a lot of different things that you can do. So you can have a first position mortgage and then you can have a second and structure it lots of different ways. The best part about this is it's so, um, it, it, it's so variable that you can make it however you want to make it. And as you get more experience, you can get more creative. So this is just a small taste in the grand scheme of things of how it works. I hope it's helpful for you guys. Um, I, I'm going to make a couple videos about educating the lenders on what we do. I'm going to make some videos because we're going to go do the 500K challenge again. I mentioned it at the uh, runway event. But if anybody who gets a ticket to Flip Hacking Live, we're also going to add the new and improved 500K challenge that I'm gonna do. We're gonna call it 500K to FHL challenge. So 500K to FHL challenge, and on September 12th, we're all, September 12th, we're all gonna start doing the 500K challenge together. We're gonna have a Facebook group together. I'm gonna do the challenge. I'm gonna create new videos, new trainings. Uh, I'm gonna freshen up some of the stuff. I'm gonna give you tips and tricks. I'm gonna come up with some really cool stuff. So out of this runway event came a bunch of asks uh, for the people who are looking for something very specific and I'm gonna create it for you guys. So um, this was primarily for the runway members. I know after the event they were asking a bunch of questions. Hopefully this explains it. If you guys have more questions, let me know in our Facebook group. Reply to the email that we're sending out, let me know. And then during the 500K challenge, I am going to um, I'll show you the notes, I'll show you the mortgages, I'll show you all the stuff that we use, I'll uh, use it, I'll be raising money myself. And there's lots of different things that we can do. But if you get a ticket to Flip Hacking Live, you go to fliphackinglive.com right now, you will, be, you will get the 500K challenge along with it. And if you had the 500K challenge before, this is gonna be a new one, I'm gonna adjust it, I'm going to change everything, and um, I'm gonna keep, I'll probably keep some of the same videos, the interviews and things like that, but I'm gonna revamp the whole thing. It's two years old, I'm gonna revamp it, and I want you guys to go along with us all together on September 12th. And guess what? The person who raises the most money, the person who raises the most money in that challenge for 30 days is gonna have an opportunity to speak at Flip Packing Live and tell us how you did it. So whoever raises the most money, I'm gonna, you're, you can get on stage and speak at Flip Packing Live. It's the only way that you can get on stage without me asking you to come speak. So go to fliphackinglive.com, grab your ticket. I'll see you guys on the next show, bye.